Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to look at what it means to prepare for spiritual battle. I think a lot of us recognize the fact that the spiritual battle around us is intensifying, and yet a lot of us really don't feel ready for being in a spiritual battle. We don't know how to wield the weapons, the tools that God has given us spiritually to be victorious in this battle. So that's what we're going to be exploring today. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that our print magazine, which has been releasing twice a year, is now going to be releasing four times per year. So it's becoming a seasonal magazine, and we've opened up subscription options for just a small amount every month. You can receive four of these issues per year. It's now going to be called the Set Apart Magazine instead of Set Apart Girl Magazine, so it really is for women of every age and every season of life, and it's such a beautiful resource, perfect for quiet times, just taking truths deeper that you're learning in the Word of God. It's great for small groups, and it makes a really beautiful gift for any woman in your life. So I hope you'll go to setapartgirl.com and click on the magazine tab to learn more about our new quarterly model for print issues a year. And if you're not already subscribed, I hope that you'll join us and become a subscriber. Let's dive into preparing for a spiritual battle. Whether you are stepping into a new ministry or you are feeling the nudge from God to be more bold in standing for your faith or sharing your faith with others, you will definitely be stepping into a battlefield. In fact, any Christian who really wants to live out serious Christianity in such a time as this is in a spiritual battle. The enemy does not want us to take a bold stand for Jesus. He does not want us to come out of that place of mediocrity and apathy and self-protection. And when we start to take those steps forward, we'll oftentimes find that there is a bullseye, a target on our head, and the enemy begins to hinder us and harass us and blur us and cause us to be confused and brings relational tension into our life. And how can we really be prepared? Because we know that God is victorious. We know that he has given us everything that we need to resist the enemy. We know that he has said, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So how do we walk that out in day-to-day life in the midst of this spiritual battle? I once knew a young woman who went to the mission field to work with orphans, and she had really romanticized the idea of being in ministry. So she had this notion in her mind of sending home cute little photos of herself with all these happy orphan children and getting a lot of accolades and compliments from people back home who thought she was doing a really great thing. But once she got to the mission field, she was hit so hard with the spiritual battle that comes with any kind of world-changing ministry. There were a lot of challenges that she was just not spiritually prepared for. There was discord and tension and attack and threats and discomforts and and battles over the hearts and souls of these young children that she just didn't feel prepared for. And within maybe a week or two, she was just a complete wreck and she had to fly back home because she said, I just wasn't ready for spiritual battle. I was romanticizing the idea of living for Jesus, but I wasn't prepared for the difficulty and I don't have the spiritual tools I need yet. So she went through a whole season of preparation before she felt really ready to go to the mission field and shine the light of God without being overcome by the battle. 
That's something I can really relate to because when Eric and I first started in ministry about 25 years ago, we were so not prepared for the spiritual battle that we had stepped into. And we were hit so hard when we first started ministry that I was tempted to give up so many times. I just wanted to walk away because I thought, you know, I don't mind sharing the message, the testimony of what God has done in my life with other Christians, but I'm not prepared for the extreme criticism and the relational issues and the financial issues and the health issues and the confusion and the blur and the fog and all these things that are coming at me. In fact, I didn't even know most of them were coming from the enemy. I didn't even recognize it as spiritual warfare. I just thought my life is falling apart. Just all of a sudden, once I stepped into ministry, my life felt like it was falling apart. Things that had never been an issue for me before suddenly were were problems, and I just didn't know how to handle that. So Eric and I went on a journey to really ask God to equip us and prepare us for the spiritual battle that we had stepped into. The first thing we had to do was recognize that we were in a battle, and that took a while. But when we finally woke up to the fact that, hey, the enemy doesn't like what we're doing, and he's doing everything he can to try to get us to be discouraged and give up and go back to our, our self-protective, comfortable bubble. Once we recognized that, we said, okay, we know we're under attack. Now, how do we wield the weapons of our warfare, the spiritual tools God has given us to be victorious over the enemy? So in this episode, I just want to share a few tidbits because this is definitely a topic that that could warrant five or six episodes, but I just want to, to share some of the most important principles that I learned in that season of my life, and I've continued to learn ever since whenever I'm facing spiritual warfare. And again, all of us in this day and age are in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not. So these principles apply whether you're in ministry or not. And the first principle is to expect difficulty. Now, this kind of touches on what I was saying a minute ago about the the young girl who went to the mission field with a very romanticized ideal of what ministry was going to be. And I know that was something I really had in the beginning of ministry. I, I imagined all these happy Christians who just loved everybody and loved each other, and there was unity and no, no discord and no problems, no disagreements. And of course, that's not realistic at all. But that was for whatever reason, that was what I envisioned when Eric and I started traveling and speaking in churches. With all of our starry-eyed dreams of what ministry is going to be like, very few of us are truly prepared for the difficulty and the challenge that comes with real gospel work. So even if it's just as simple as sharing your faith with a coworker or a friend, a lot of us start out enthusiastically, but we wane in our commitment once we realize that sharing the gospel, standing boldly for Jesus, doing anything that is outward focused, kingdom building work is not always fun and easy and exciting. It's a very difficult road. And it's tempting to want ministry or witnessing for Christ or living a poured out life, even within our own homes, we often want that to fit into a nice little box that just doesn't inconvenience our life in any way. But true gospel-centered living does not fit into a nice little box. It's not meant to be an easy, comfortable side hobby in our lives. It's meant to be a cross that we take up daily. And we spoke about this on our last episode, removing safety cones, taking up our cross and following Jesus. Jesus, wherever he calls us to, with no limits, no boundaries. And that's a difficult road. If you look at Jesus' example of ministry, his whole life, everything he did, both in his earthly ministry and in his death and his resurrection, was very, very difficult, strenuous, excruciating work. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. It wasn't comfortable. It didn't bring him any personal benefit. It was all for sacrificial love and the glory of his Father in heaven. Paul's example is very similar. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, 
11, you see this absolutely unbelievable list of difficulties that Paul went through. He was in labors more abundant, in stripes, meaning to to have his body whipped very cruelly above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. He says, five times from the Jews, I received 40 stripes minus one. And that is a very, very intense physical torture to go through. And he went through that five times. Three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. How his body could survive all of this is completely supernatural. He says, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. So just think about how many times he came near death in all of those situations and physically for his body to hold up under even one stoning or one beating like that is miraculous. But he says he was in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness and hunger and thirst and fastings and cold and nakedness. Nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now, that is an absolutely astounding list of trials and tribulations. And whenever I read it, I feel a bit put to shame by the much lower level sufferings that I go through and how I sometimes complain about them and struggle with them. Paul had every possible physical and emotional discomfort you can imagine. And he was deeply burdened for all the churches along the way. And yet for everything that he went through, he was abundantly joyful and content. He was always talking about rejoicing in the Lord. He was always talking about how none of these sufferings compare to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. And so the battle to him was just a big adventure because he had his eyes on the true prize, which was Jesus Christ. His love for Jesus Christ motivated him to walk through all these difficulties with a triumphant attitude, leaning on the grace of God. And that's the very attitude we need to have when it comes to living triumphantly in the spiritual battle that we are in today. We have to know that we're heading into a battle every day instead of to a picnic. Because when we know we're heading into a battle, we bring our battle weapons with us instead of leaving them at home or leaving them lying on the ground. God has given us weapons against the enemy's attack, so we need to begin to use them recognizing that we are in a battle. And one of the tools that God has given us brings me to the second principle, which is resisting the enemy. It seems so simple, but it's very easy to know that we're being harassed by the enemy and just curl up into the fetal position and say, I'm just going to hunker down and wait till the attacks go away. But the Christian life is not meant to be lived on the defensive. It's meant to be offensive, proactive. We are the ones to be taking territory for God. We are not the ones to be pushed around by the enemy. That's the way God intends it to be. So in James 4, 7, God tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not he might flee from you, he will, but we have to rise up in the strength of God and resist. Now, in our own strength, in our own merit, in our own power, we certainly cannot resist him. But in the authority of Jesus Christ, greater is he who lives in us than he who is in the world. You see that same command to resist in 1 Peter 5, 8, when it talks about the devil going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. If we're not willing to rise up and resist, then we are going to be easy prey for that roaring lion. 
And then, of course, in Ephesians 6.16, we are to take up the shield of faith so that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it's clear we are going to be lunch for the enemy if we do not take up that shield of faith and walk in the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. Even if you don't feel that you are doing anything large or significant for the kingdom of God, you need to remember that if you're touching even one life with the light, with the hope of Jesus, you're going to be a threat to the enemy. He's going to do everything in his power to get you to stop. So for Eric and I, we made a list of what we called a fortification list, areas of our life that needed to be shored up, that were vulnerable to the enemy. And we began to wrestle in prayer for those areas until we saw victory. And every time the enemy would hit us in those areas, we began to wield our authority in Christ and push back and say, no, we will not accept interference and harassment from the enemy. So before you sit down to mentor someone, before you share the gospel with someone, before you start a Bible study group, before you teach a Sunday school class or go on a missions trip or go out witnessing, or even before you do maybe just behind the scenes office work or janitorial work for a church or a ministry, it is so important to take time to intentionally put on the full armor of God to proactively resist the enemy's interference over what God has called you to do. It's important to be freshly reminded of your position in Christ. If something cannot get to Jesus, it cannot get to you if you are in Christ. And that's how you become prepared for the battle. That's how you resist the enemy. Now, I think it's important as a reminder, and I've spoken about this before in other episodes, but resisting Satan does not need to be dramatic or loud in order for it to be effective because even a little child can resist Satan through the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about the power of that name. Another principle is to recognize the hindrance of the enemy and to stand your ground. During Paul's ministry, he mentions being hindered by Satan from a specific purpose that he was attempting to accomplish. That's in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. And that word hindered means to impede or to detain. Have you ever noticed that when you step forward into a specific task that God has called you to, like purposeful prayer or ministry to others, something happens to distract or discourage or thwart you? That is the kind of hindrance that Paul was referring to. And I know for me, that I, I feel that so often in my life that this this shouldn't be so hard, but there's a big hindrance in my way. Sometimes that means that there's spiritual ground that needs to be won or territory that needs to be taken back from the enemy. So don't give up before the battle is won. Don't let hindrance turn you back. Stand your ground. Stand firm in what you know God has called you to do. Otto Koning is one of my favorite missionaries. He was a missionary to New Guinea for so many years, and he has some great stories about what God taught him on the mission field. But he talks about those early years how he was just laboring and he was in such a dark place among all these tribes that had no concept of God, no concept of right and wrong. They were just steeped in witchcraft and murder and cannibalism and just horrible, horrible things. And he was just this lone missionary with his family trying to bring light into such a dark place. And for so many years, he didn't feel like he was making any headway. And eventually he began to see some headway made, but then he had to leave the mission field, I think after 12 or 15 years because of health issues within his family. He went back to this area in New Guinea about 30 years later, and he tells the story of being all geared up for the spiritual warfare, because when he was there, there was such a a darkness and an oppression over that whole tribal area. But when he went back 30 years later, he recognized there was a totally different spirit. The The villagers were were rejoicing. They were Christians. They 
had church services. They were not living in superstition and witchcraft. They had replaced these horrible activities with singing praise songs around a campfire. And he recognized that the spiritual territory that he won all those years earlier through his prayer, through his standing firm, through his pursuing these people with the light of Jesus Christ had been won for Jesus Christ. The enemy had been pushed back. And even 30 years later, that territory was still in the hands of God. And so that is a really powerful reminder to not give up. There is a process of taking territory back from the enemy. But if we are consistent and if we stand consistently in the authority of Jesus Christ and we do not allow the enemy to win, he will have to flee. Leonard Ravenhill wrote this, Satan fools and feigns, blows and bluffs, and we so often take his threats to heart and forget the exceeding greatness of God's power towards us who believe. And that's so true. The enemy makes a lot of big noise about how powerful he is, but we already know the end of his story. We already know that he is defeated. It says in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So we already know the enemy is defeated. We need to stand our ground and live according to that reality. A few practicals that I want to share with you as you are being prepared for spiritual battle. First, identify specific attack points in your life, areas that you feel defeated or discouraged or hopeless, and ask God to show you if these are areas of spiritual attack. I would encourage you to make a list of every area that you feel you've been hindered or harassed by the enemy. And once you know where the enemy is hitting you, you can see those battle points, those battle lines more clearly. When you identify those attack points, you can also pray pray and ask God to give you promises in his word that counteract those attacks. So whenever the enemy is hitting you with those lies or that hindrance or that harassment, you rise up and you stand firm on the promises of God. That's what Jesus did when Satan came to him in the wilderness tempting him. He said, it is written, and then he referred to the truth of scripture. So that is a wonderful way to start preparing for the battle. Another is to remove enemy access. If you have unconfessed habitual sin in your life, deliberate disobedience to God, if you're harboring bitterness towards someone else, if you're dabbling in satanic activities, or if you have in the past and have never confessed those things and repented of those things, all of those things create an access point, a breach, a hole in our wall for the enemy to come through. And we can't really effectively resist Satan's attacks in our lives unless we've removed any access points that we're giving him legally. So ask God to show you, are there any areas in my life that I need to make right and things I need to confess and repent of and turn from so that the enemy does not have any legal ground to harass me. If you've given Satan access into your life, you can declare to him that you are now taking that territory back in Jesus' name. Once you've confessed your sin, you've taken back any ground that you've given to him, he will no longer have the ability to control you or harass you in that area. And then, of course, resisting whenever the enemy comes at you, simply saying no to him through the power of Jesus' name is oftentimes enough to say, okay, he's going to flee and I'm going to move forward. It doesn't need to be overly complicated, overly loud, overly traumatic. It can be done in a whisper. It can be done in the quietness of your heart. It's a spiritual position of resisting. And again, be consistent until a breakthrough comes. If Satan has been hindering you, attacking you, harassing you for a while, or if you're entering his territory, like ministering to the unsaved or going into a very dark area and shining light, it is very possible that Satan may continue to return and harass you even after you resist him once or twice. And don't be discouraged by this. There are sometimes many individual battles that we need to fight before the war is won. Be consistent until the enemy realizes that you are serious about resisting him and you're not going to back down. 
Ask God to show you how often you should be resisting the enemy. In some cases, it could be daily. Sometimes it might be a proactive step that you take ahead of time when you're preparing for any kind of ministry or witnessing or service that brings glory to Jesus Christ. If you are faithful and consistent, you will be able to pull down enemy strongholds through the power of his name. Spiritual warfare is not something to fear because we are on the winning side and God has not left us helpless in this battle. If you feel weak and unprepared for the battle, go to the word of God and say, Lord, show me the weapons that you have given me that are sitting right in front of me that I can begin applying to this battle right now. It could be prayer. It could be faith. It could be resisting. It could be applying the promises of God, standing your ground, whatever God leads you to. Don't hesitate before you rise up and be proactive in this battle because that is the kind of victorious Christianity that God has called each of us to. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to take this deeper and learn more about how to live victoriously in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com where we have loads of resources. Our print magazine is a wonderful resource. There are a lot of free articles online you can read. We have an online mentoring program you can join. And we have lots of resources there on living a triumphant Christian life. Please know that we're praying for you, and I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.